I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everybody, welcome along to another episode of La Liga Lowdown series looking at every La Liga club and telling each of their stories. This time around, we have the story of football club Barcelona, one of the biggest institutions in this sport. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and we have some fantastic guests along the way as we look at the history of the Catalan club. First, let's have a listen to some of their most glorious moments and how they were commentated on. As one of the most successful football clubs in the world, there have been so many incredible moments in Barcelona's history, so it was hard to choose just a few of them, but there we heard some of their epic games. First, we heard the fifth goal in their 5-0 win over Real Madrid in 2010. Then we heard the final goals of their first, second and their most recent European Cup triumphs. Because Barcelona have now won five European Cups and they've won some of them by playing absolutely incredible football. So, let's hear about how it all came together. Here's Paco Pollock coming up with the start of the football club Barcelona story after a quick listen to the famous club hymn. Fue 
Football Club Barcelona are one of the oldest clubs in Spain and boast more domestic trophies than anyone else. They are a giant of socio-political significance and have an incredibly volatile history. Founded by Swiss businessman Joan Gamper in 1899, less than a decade later Gamper stepped in as president to save the club from liquidation. His efforts were crucial in transforming them into a superpower of Catalan and Spanish football over the next 17 years. His first steps were securing Barcelona their own stadium and increasing the membership of the club, thus ensuring financial security. This helped them to dominate the Catalan football scene until the 1920s, when Barcelona asserted themselves on a national level. Gamper also recruited many of the players who became legends during that era, such as Paulino Alcántara, Josep Samitier and Ricardo Zamora. The 1920s were roaring for Barcelona, achieving nine Catalan championships and five Copa del Reis. When the inaugural La Liga was set up in 1929, they were victorious in that too. Now numbering more than 20,000 saucies, Lescourt Stadium was built in 1922 to accommodate the influx. It was also under Gamper that the Azulgranas garnered importance on the political scene. Catalanism became a key part of Barcelona's identity, with the official language changing from Castilian Spanish to Catalan in 1917. That was until 1925, when Gamper was removed by Spanish dictator Primo de Rivera for promoting Catalan nationalism. The idea of Barcelona as a vehicle for the Catalan movement in opposition to a centralist Spain was cemented. Despite the success on the field, Barcelona were to enter arguably their darkest decade. Gamper passed away in 1930 and a barren spell on the pitch followed, with membership decreasing. They suffered yet another blow during the Spanish Civil War as President Josep Suñol was assassinated by Falange's troops in 1936. With the club broke and General Franco closing in on Barcelona, Irish manager Patrick O'Connell and the team went on tour to Mexico and the US. By doing so, they raised enough money to save the club. Only four players returned, the rest choosing exile while membership fell as low as 2,500 saucies. Following the war, Barca gradually reasserted themselves. After they sunk to a lowest ever league finish of 12th place in 1942, by 1944 they had won the league again. They did so twice more before 1950, with dominant striker Cesar Rodriguez firing them to glory. In 1950, Hungarian forward Laszlo Kubala joined and he would elevate Barca to the next level. Dubbed the man who built the Camp Nou, it was said that Barcelona sanctioned their new 106,000 capacity stadium in order to meet the demand to see him. The inspiration behind 13 trophies over the next decade, Kubala's statue stands proudly outside the ground today. Barcelona moved to the Camp Nou in 1957, but then one of the club's biggest ever sliding doors moments meant that Argentine genius Alfredo Di Stefano was signed by both Barca and Real Madrid at the same time. Who he should have played for is still debated today. What is certain is that he ended up joining Real Madrid and leading them to five straight European Cups. Real Madrid's success in Europe intimidated Barca and not even illustrious manager Elenio Herrera could bring home their European Cup in a short but explosive stint. In their most barren spell yet, only two Copa del Reis and the first cup were celebrated before 1974, Barca's longest La Liga drought ever. 
They were very low on self-esteem when Johan Cruyff arrived in 1973, but the Ajax superstar helped restore optimism around the Camp Nou. Under total football connoisseur Rinus Michels, Cruyff inspired a historic 5-0 victory over Real Madrid on the way to the 1974 title. It felt like a real turning point. But then another 11 years passed until the next league title, spearheaded by manager Terry Venables and Bernd Schuster. The next season, Barca came agonizingly close to their first European Cup, losing on penalties to Este Agua Bucarest in the 1986 final. The big changes in between those titles occurred off the pitch. Josep Luis Núñez became president in 1978 and once again increased the number of sauces, granting the club a new financial strength and affording opportunities like the world record signing of Diego Armando Maradona in 1992. In the background, however, Barca had set up their new globally famous La Masia Academy, predicated on producing technical footballers. Johan Cruyff himself was the one to reap the benefits, returning as manager in 1988. Over an eight-year spell, Cruyff not only won many titles, but he did so playing brilliant football. The dream team was constructed of stars and La Masia products, and they won four La Liga titles from 1990 to 1994. Their finest moment arrived in 1992, as a Ronald Koeman strike secured a 1-0 win over Sampdoria and the first-ever European Cup triumph. Once again, the Dutch had inspired success and a sense of identity in Barcelona. Although Louis van Gaal secured two more titles in 1998 and 1999, crisis was on the horizon again, with Núñez's 22-year reign coming to an end at the turn of the millennium. So, the start to the 21st century wasn't great for Barcelona, but things quickly turned around and they went on to enjoy unprecedented success all while playing scintillating football. Let's hear the details now then, as Roman de Arker picks up the story where Paco left it off. Football Club Barcelona is the most awarded team in Spain in terms of titles, and a big reason for that is how successful the club has been in the 21st century. Although it wasn't an easy start while Joan Gaspar was in charge from 2000 to 2003, as he splashed a lot of cash but was incapable of leading Barca to glory in any single competition. In fact, he was guiding the club into a football and financial related crisis, which had to be tackled before it was too late. So he decided to resign as president in February 2003. Eric Reina, Gaspar's vice president, took over temporarily but also resigned under so much pressure from the fans, leading to elections shortly after in June. Barca needed some sort of revolution on and off the field, which is why a 41-year-old lawyer named Juan Laporta y Estruc took charge. He quickly brought in two key signings that made possible a much-needed transformation, Frank Reichardt and Ronaldinho. Thanks to those two figures, complemented with a talented squad, Laporta helped end a five-season drought with no titles as he saw Barca win its 17th La Liga in his second year as president. But Los Cules would outdo themselves the following season, not just by conquering La Liga with a 12-point gap over Real Madrid, but also by winning the Spanish Super Cup against Betis and, most importantly, the club's second UEFA Champions League after coming back from a one-goal deficit against Arsenal with substitutes Giuliano Belletti and Henrik Larsson proving to be crucial. And if that weren't enough, it also became the season in which Leo Messi began to make a name for himself. 
But Reichert's success would not last much longer. Despite winning the Spanish Super Cup once again in the following 2006-2007 season, the league would slip away in a very painful manner. Barca achieved 76 points, the same number as Real Madrid, but the title would go to Los Blancos despite that Barcelona had scored more goals and conceded fewer overall. The head-to-head -head record was decisive that season, with Madrid winning 2-0 at home and then drawing 3-3 at the Camp Nou. Raigard was then given one more season, but no titles including a 4-1 defeat against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu meant he was to be dismissed at the end of the campaign. Although this time there would be no harsh transition, with an inexperienced Pep Guardiola picked over José Mourinho to employ his methods that had worked so well with Barca B. A very brave decision by Laporta, who despite Joan Cruyff and Evariste Mortra's favourable advice, had the last word. There was certain controversy at the time given Guardiola's short managerial stint and a 1-0 defeat in the first La Liga game of the season against newly promoted side Numancia, followed by a draw against Racing de Santander, didn't help to appease all the criticism. Yet little did the critics know that Guardiola's team would immediately take off after those two games. Not only was the football eye-catching, but it was also extremely efficient and ultimately successful, given Barca won the Champions League, the Copa del Rey and the Domestic League, including a memorable 6-2 win over Real Madrid in enemy territory, the Santiago Bernabéu. The famous triplete would then turn into a sextete after Barca won the Spanish and European Super Cups as well as the FIFA Club World Cup, conquering all six trophies the club could aspire to in 2009, becoming the first male team to ever achieve this feat. During Guardiola's four seasons as manager at Barca, the team competed like never before, winning 14 of the 19 trophies they played for. An influence that transcended the Catalan club, also coinciding with the Spanish national team's best years, including a World Cup win in 2010. In 2012, with Sandro Rosé as president, Pep decided to move on and Tito Villanova was given a chance. He did not deceive in La Liga, breaking Pep Guardiola's 99-point record and matching the 100 points Mourinho had achieved with Real Madrid the previous year. But his trajectory as Barca's manager would have to be cut short due to an aggressive recurrent cancer which had already forced him to take a break during that season. Sadly, he would pass away on April 2014. A year which actually brought a lot of grief and bad news to Barca. As La Liga was lost in the last match day after a 1-1 draw against Atletico de Madrid, which saw them celebrate the title win at the Camp Nou in Tata Martino's first and only season as manager. It was also the year in which Rosé resigned due to irregularities in the Neymar deal, leading to Bartomeu's presidency, and it coincided with the FIFA's decision to ban the Catalan side without being able to buy players for over a year after breaking the rules when it came to signing underage footballers. Yet, once again, Los Cules bounced back. Luis Enrique came on board and did wonders with Barca's attacking Tridente, made up of Messi, Suárez and Neymar. With Lucho came the fifth and last Champions League up to date, almost replicating Guardiola's six titles in his first year as manager of the club. But an unexpected 4-0 defeat against Athletic Club in the Spanish Super Cup stopped the count at five. He only lasted three seasons in which he won nine out of 13 possible titles, including three consecutive Copas del Rey and the historic Champions League comeback in his last campaign, defeating PSG 6-1 at home after losing 4-0 in Paris. 
Then came Ernesto Valverde, who squeezed what was left out of many players that had enjoyed years of glory and success. He still managed two league titles as well as the Copa del Rey and the Spanish Super Cup, but consecutive Champions League humiliations against Roma and Liverpool, as well as a lifeless football style, condemned his future at the club. At least it gave him the opportunity to miss out on Barca's toughest defeat of the 21st century, after Bayern Munich invoked the perfect storm, tearing the team apart with an 8-2 scoreline in the one-legged Champions League quarterfinals. Bartomeu was then forced to resign thanks to the pressure of the club members, despite being reluctant to leave at first. Now, Laporta is back 11 years later to try and steer Football Club Barcelona in the right path and leave behind a painful 2020. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We've heard the history of Barcelona then through Paco and Roman's narrations. Now it's time to focus a little more on some of the individuals mentioned there. We've got Rui Barlow coming up next to discuss his top three Barcelona legends. Over to you, Rui. We begin in 1950 with Lajlo Kubala, who would join Barcelona after escaping the Soviet bloc and leaving his native Hungary. Quick, muscly and tall, his powerful physique helped him to hold possession, even when pursued by three or four opponents. Yet these traits were always overshadowed by neat touches, turns and a smooth handling of the ball. A star on the pitch, he burned brightly off it too. In Barcelona, his nocturnal exploits were as famous as he was. Blonde, good-looking and carefree, it wasn't out of the ordinary for him to arrive at training straight from a night out. Coffee and cognac got the engine running, of course. All of this was forgiven, though. Kubala made Barcelona the dominant force in 1950s Spain. Much beloved and revered by the good and the great in football, he scored 280 goals in 345 appearances for Barca, and in 1999 was voted the club's best ever player. Everything about Barcelona as we know it begins with and will be inextricably linked to player, manager and at one point, honorary president, Johan Cruyff. 
When the Dutchman arrived to a Barcelona in a state of paralysis, already a Ballon d'Or winner, he was a big deal. The enthusiasm for a star signing quickly turned to adoration. At the time, Catalan names were banned by the regime, but Cruyff insisted on naming his son Jordi, making him the first person in Catalonia to be given a Catalan name since Franco took power. On the pitch, he was just as charismatic. The historic 5-0 win over Real Madrid and the subsequent league victory cemented his legend. He also became the face of a culture change at Barcelona, and on Cruyff's advice, the La Masia Academy was founded. When he returned as manager, he surpassed those achievements. The dream team were hugely successful, but more importantly, from that point on, Barcelona had an established identity. Mixing academy players with headline talent, Cruyff instilled a technical and fluid style that cut through teams in thrilling fashion. Barcelona owes so much of what they are to Cruyff. Understandably, he is seen by many as a deity. Finally, what to say about the man who has exhausted all superlatives? Lionel Messi is without doubt Barcelona's greatest player and arguably the greatest of all time. Joining the club at the age of 13 from his home in Rosario, Argentina, technical secretary Charlie Rasach was so convinced of Messi's ability that he wrote Messi's first contract on a napkin, such was his hurry to sign him. The rest, as they say, was history. Only, it really was. Messi is Barcelona's all-time leading goalscorer, a six-time Ballon d'Or winner, and the driving force behind the most successful decade in the club's history. What's remarkable is that he is not defined by his exceptional numbers, but his mastery of all facets of the game. Leo Messi has made the Supreme so normal, it's hard to really appreciate how good he is. For all his genius and talent, what elevates him above other mortals has been his consistency over his entire career. There are no more superlatives, because the world has never had to use so many. A better hero than any fan could have dreamt of, the depth of love for Messi runs to the very core of every coulee. It's definitely hard to pick just three Barcelona legends given all the club's history, but I certainly can't disagree with those three choices of Cabala, Cruyff and Messi. So, thanks for that, Ruri. We're now going to finish this podcast by getting the fan perspective and hearing about what a match day at the Camp Nou is really like. We've got Barca fan Kevin Williams coming up now as he explains how much he loves the match day atmosphere in the Catalan capital. Far and away, the most memorable thing about going to a, a Barcelona match at the Camp Nou is the energy. You feel it on the metro. You feel it in bars and restaurants. You feel it as you chat with your taxi cab driver about what's going to happen that evening. It's everywhere. And as you walk to the stadium, there's like this building roar. When you watch big Barcelona matches on TV and not the dead rubbers, not the Liga minnows, but the major Champions League clashes and most notably El Clasico, it doesn't do the roar justice, this like subsonic rumble of anticipation that their team is going to do something amazing. It's it's hard to describe, but it's memorable. And when you're sitting in the stands, when you're in your seat and say the Real Madrid uh, players come out, there's this roar of hatred that just washes over the entire stadium. And it's this thing that's almost palpable enough to be able to walk down to the pitch on like a 
stair step. It's one of the most wonderful things because obviously that particular rivalry has years and years, decades of hate and enmity. And so there you are with 96,000 other people and it's just rage, it's energy, it's wishing the worst for everyone wearing a white shirt. It's just the best thing you'll ever feel if you love a club the way that so many uh, culés uh, love Barcelona. And sitting in the stands, you hear it. These people know football, love football, and they all combine to create uh, this totality of an event that for me makes uh, going to a match at that stadium unlike anything I have ever experienced in football anywhere or any sport. Thanks for that Kevin and thanks to everybody who's contributed to this episode. That's Paco Pollitt, Roman de Arker, Rui Barlow and Kevin Williams. I've been your host Jimmy Tier and we are La Liga Lowdown. You can find us online at laligalowdown.com and on social media for more Spanish football content. For now, thanks for listening to this episode, and we hope you'll join us again soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 